every Arizona homeowner's best friend, and it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house, your weekend wake-up tradition. That's right. It's the first Saturday of the month. We go around back, all the way around back. The Deep 40, it is Farm Fresh Hour. We've got Julie Murphy with the Arizona Farm Bureau joining us in studio. Good morning and welcome to the broadcast. Good morning and thank you for having me on. And we try and bring a local commodity into the broadcast. It was something that is being grown provided by our Arizona farmers and ranchers and being brought to market in real time. So when you're out there shopping and buying food and supplies for your family, you can uh, just take that extra minute and, and look for your local Arizona produce and know that you're supporting local ag, a $23 billion industry to Arizona and why we cover it for Saturday of the month. Yes, and it's so fun to do. And I like that we've picked uh, cantaloupe as a commodity because Cantaloupe in Arizona is grown. We have two seasons. Uh, most people don't know this. Uh, we have an early summer season for cantaloupe, and we have a fall season for cantaloupe. Uh, watermelons, you know, it's pretty much a summer season mm-hmm. crop, but with cantaloupe, we can do it twice. We have 14 growers here in the state of Arizona that are growing cantaloupe. Most of those are our larger producers, so that that sweet, wonderful Arizona tasty cantaloupe can get in the grocery stores. But they're all family-owned and operated. One of them, well-known, is the Martori family. They grow all sorts of melons, including the watermelon. But uh, they have—they even have their own label. There's all sorts of—it's actually under the candy label. So if you're in the grocery store in the early summer, you'll see some watermelons or uh, cantaloupe. You'll see the Martori's melons. And that is one of my favorite. I would take a cantaloupe over honeydew or and sometimes even watermelon. Yeah, I and ours are so sweet. If you pick them fresh out of the field, sometimes when we go visit our farmers, it's just wonderful. Qual- quality control. Got to got to test this one. Let's let's yes. everyone stop. Let's <laughs> cut this open and Maybe. test it. Yep. But we also grow great honeydew too. All uh, well, sorts of good stuff. And you always bring in a guest with you. Yes. Every Saturday, we've got our farmer joining us by phone today. And his name is Mark Freeman of Freeman Corn Patch. Mark, are you on? I am, Julie. Thank you. Good morning to both of you. So Mark is uh, also, you wear many hats besides a cowboy hat. And one of the hats you wear is uh, you're a city council member for the city of Mesa, correct? Yes, also vice mayor currently. Vice mayor. And then he's also president of Maricopa County Farm Bureau. But we're going to mainly talk to you with your cowboy hat on or your uh, farm farm cap. So uh, tell us a little bit about your farm and what you do and how seasonal it is and where it's located, all that fun stuff. Well, thank you. Just a little background to our family. Our family uh, came to Arizona in 1877 and 1880, both sides of my family. And so consequently, we're involved in ranching and farming uh, for many years and decades, obviously, uh, we settled in Mesa, uh, primarily on the free, uh, Freeman side and uh, some of the founders of Mesa. However, uh, I grew up in a farming family. Uh, my brothers, uh, all of us farmed, and we did a lot of your normal uh, agricultural crops in Arizona, alfalfa grains, 
Hamilton, watermelon, cantaloupe. And so I have experience growing that. But we don't grow that today because primarily because of the labor uh, issues uh, that we have in harvesting. So like Julie said, the larger producers are able to uh, have the labor pool to help bring that to market. Uh, otherwise, I grow currently uh, some, on some acreage in downtown Mesa, ironically, from the uh, Fitch family, uh, Nesbitt family, and downtown core, about a 25-acre parcel, and and we grow alfalfa, vegetables. Uh, for about 30 years, we grew sweet corn there. But currently, I have an outdoor uh, seasonal farmer's market that starts around uh, Memorial Day, and it lasts till the 4th of July, where we bring in all the current uh, fresh farm produce that we grow on our farms, as well as other farmers like the Russo family farms and uh, other local producers. We bring it in and sell it to an open-air um, historic uh, barn. It- well, that's kind of an overview there, Julie. Yeah, it's a good overview. So when does the op- this season, when's the first day that it's going to be open? Well, well, that's hard to say because of Mother Nature uh, pushed us way back because of our moisture, our rains, which are desperately needed in Arizona. However, uh, we're probably about 10 days, maybe two weeks behind on a normal uh, harvest time. So I'm looking around the end of May. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's funny because I say, I always tell everyone you're kind of a seasonal f- farmer, but that's not totally true because you're doing the alfalfa and that's kind of year round. But it is true when it comes to your vegetables, your summer veggies, it's, you have this very narrow window, but it's a very busy window when you're open on that farm stand area. And by the way, tell everyone that's listening where that's located so that they can come to it once it opens. We have a uh, Facebook page. It's called Freeman Corn Patch, and it's located at Brown and Center Street in Mesa near Hoho Cam uh, Park where the Oakland A's play as well as the Mesa Cemetery. So we're right here. It's an old, it's a farm from uh, the Dobson and Fitch family in Mesa. So it's uh, actually right downtown Mesa. So even though you might ha- be opening up a couple weeks late just because of, you know, weather and all the other factors, in fact, that's one of the reasons why you're a call-in and not actually in the studio because you're planting today, if, if I understand it right. It seemed like I you told me, yes, I'll, I'll be able to spare an hour and then I'm back on the tractor or something like that. <laughs> yeah, funny you say that. I've already delivered uh, hay to customers I have to get some implements to prep the ground and finish for planting. What I'm doing is uh, I'm I'm working with some uh, local faith uh, church-based groups to help them become self-reliant and grow some vegetables on some ground that I have. I have it prepped already for them. So we're going to do some sharecropping, which is uh, basically the farmer has the ground and the water, and the people come in and provide the planting and the labor and the harvesting. And then we share it at the end of the harvest season. So we have uh, some ground that we've prepped, and I've got to move some equipment around to finish it up today. Oh, my gosh. You know what that makes me think of is the Liberty Garden. Not that I was there during that time, but the Liberty Gardens during World War II, where communities would come together and, and grow. I mean, what you're doing is a little bit more on a grander scale, it sounds like, because of, of your acreage. But that's so cool. Have you been doing that for a while? 
I started it about four years ago with some uh, church-based groups who wanted to grow and can and bottle uh, vegetables. And so they're able to bring their own vegetables or seeds, and then I have seed available as well, and teach them the, the, uh, about planting and growing and, and weeding and harvesting and obviously irrigating all the uh, joys with that. It's, all, it's a lot of work. And obviously, of course, we've got to mention this and bring this up because we're in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, Do you anticipate uh, any, I know they are giving, and that was just released from the governor's office and uh, the health department today or yesterday about farmers markets, how they can still stay open during this time period if they follow certain guidelines. And by the way, we've got those on our website and also some other websites, but uh, do you anticipate some shifts and changes that have to be made? Are you guys going to have that six-foot rule when people line up? Because the times that I've gone to your market in that short window of time when it's open and I'm wanting to buy my fresh uh, summer vegetables, especially the sweet corn, you guys are known for the sweet corn at that uh, farm stand, so to speak, you know, it can get pretty busy and pretty crowded. So yeah, you- We quite haven't decided how we'll navigate that. I think what we'll... Uh, pay really attention to is uh, the separation requirements as we move forward with the virus. However, I am open air. People drive up to my stand. I can uh, take call-in orders, uh, texting, uh, email. We can prep it. We can have people basically a drive-through like others are doing, uh, your restaurants and such. So we have that capability and capacity to basically have a drive-through People can drive up. I can have our workers uh, prep their uh, orders and hand it right to them. They don't have to get out. So that's one of the advantages I have. Where where you have your uh, farmer's market at your local cities, I they're having to uh, navigate those issues there. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. I know McClendon Farms uh, has been really struggling how to uh, re-engage, uh, getting their produce out. And it's t- it's on a timeline. Produce cannot wait any longer than it has to because it'll go bad. So we want to move it fresh right to the consumer. Uh, the consumer doesn't have to be afraid about it being contaminated. If they do feel like that, then there's plenty of ways to wash and clean uh, fresh produce. Like you say, your watermelon, your cantaloupe, your honeydew, your, your hard-shelled or your soft-shelled vegetables they're safe inside you may clean the outside but otherwise our produce is fresh safe and 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 mark this probably is a good time to mention that az farm or azfoodbanks.org has launched a page it's called friends of the farm program we've actually got information on our website too but uh, we're telling our local market farmers that if some of their markets have closed. Not every farmer's market has closed, but for those that have closed, and that might have been the only market channel that they used, because of the governor's uh, decision just this last week to move more dollars to the food banks, so then the food banks can pivot to purchasing food from our local market farmers. And for those that don't know that, go to azfoodbanks.org and look for the page that's called Friends of the Farm Program. And that, that's for all of our local farmers. Listen to me, son, you gotta wanna be funny, but I tell you what I do when I didn't have any money. 
have the money, I'd steal them suckers, yes, I'd become a villain. A shoplifting them cantaloupe melons. <laughs> Run to the supermarket, tell the supermarket man to give you a fresh rat cantaloupe. Not one in the can, don't want no tomatoes, don't want no artichoke. I just want a nice rat cantaloupe. Don't want no weenies, don't want no jelly beans, don't want no bananas, no cigars from a band, no sugar frosted cereal, or ivory soap. I just want a nice rat Cantaloupe. I'll keep my day job. I'm not a singer. Yeah, I like how he goes, felon. <laughs> so uh, some other fun statistics, if you're curious, of the nine states in cantaloupe production, Arizona is number two, only behind California. We're always behind California. It's always, you know, but like, we're number two. There's a few areas in commodities we tap on top, but it's, it's a yes. landmass. It's partly a landmass, yes. Um, we And like I said, there's two seasons. Most people don't realize that. We have the early summer cantaloupe season and our 12 to 14 major growers, farm families, but the larger cantaloupe producers, they're prepping the harvest crews and they'll be harvesting so that we have an early summer cantaloupe crop and we have a fall cantaloupe crop here in Arizona California, I believe, can say the same thing, but very few states can obviously claim that. So it's pretty cool. It's a pretty neat s- story. And, Mark, um, I heard you mentioned on all the crops that you have grown that one of them was cantaloupe and watermelon over the years, your family's history. Yeah, we, we grew it for about 20 years. Oh, my goodness. So uh, where were the farms, besides what you're doing now, your location, where were some of the other family farms? Was this mainly in Mason, Tempe? Uh, Gilbert, uh, out in uh, south southeast Gilbert, uh, and then some of the farms uh, ran all the way down to Coolidge, Arizona. Okay, so you guys were all over, and you're you're holding on to that one link <laughs> in agriculture in that one spot in Mesa. It's fun to go there in the summer. It's fun to see the people that come by, and uh, you've got some young kids that manage that for you. Tell us a little bit more about the day-to-day on the farm once it's at its peak and and it's busy? Well, day-to-day, uh, our sweet corn is picked fresh every morning, and uh, my brother and my nephews are growing and harvesting it uh, this time uh, for me, and uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, it's picked fresh, brought into the farm uh, by the time we open at 7 a.m., and uh, <laughs> We uh, go through all the produce and make sure that it's uh, great for consumer use and set aside those that aren't. But otherwise, all our watermelon and cantaloupe usually come off at the same time. June 1st is always the target for watermelons in Arizona, at least up in the Salt River Valley, because uh, the Russo family farms, I get it from them. They uh, bring it over, and it's, again, picked fresh daily so it doesn't go to the warehouses comes right direct to the farm. Same with the cantaloupe. Some of the cantaloupes are grown in the Salt River Valley. Like you said, Moratories, uh, Russo does. And then Yuma also grows a lot of cantaloupe. So uh, just a little bit more about the Martori family. They've been doing it for so long. They're, they market under the candy label. I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but they sell mostly to major retailers. So again, this is 
watch for that candy label, and that's K-A-N-D-Y. Their website explains that they are an American grower and shipper rooted in a century of experience. So, Mark, they sound like your family in fresh fruit and vegetable farming. And that's also the story that can be told of the Russo family. Um, Just maybe about three or four weeks ago, I interviewed someone that works for Russo Family Farms, and they were, you know, they're definitely known for their carrots. But they uh, were out there, and they were in the thick of the harvest, and uh, Cammy Weddle is her name, and she was able to kind of pan with her phone and show me their harvesting and the whole operation. She would have taken me into the carrot plant, but it's so noisy, it wouldn't have really worked. But this is a family that, like the Freeman family, really know their vegetables and really do a great job for you and I as Arizona consumers. And we got to keep those... uh, fresh fruits on our plate, especially during this time, we want to stay healthy. We may have to be stay at home right now because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but make sure you've got that three quarters vegetables and farmers like Mark Freeman can do that. I would have to say one of my favorite things about the Farm Fresh Hour is I don't, I have yet to find another industry that's so deep in Arizona history. I mean, who else could you bring on here consistently have a guest from an industry that's fifth, sixth, seventh generation Arizona and still in the family business. And, you know, the, the, the stories and the history and that, the, that development of Arizona, I, I don't think there's another industry that even comes close. There really isn't. And, the, and just the wealth of information that comes from these families and the legacy that they pass on. Um, Mark, I didn't, you just said earlier that both sides of your family were a farming family and, um, you know, 100 plus years. So those kind of things really remind us how important uh, sustainability is within the agriculture community. And Freeman farmers, the the Freeman family, they're a, a perfect proof of that. And that's one of the reasons why I take it, Mark, that you didn't give up on your farming, even with development surrounding you. Well, one of the hardest things for farmers today is to navigate on our roadways, regardless of what municipality that we farm in. And that goes to the dairymen as well. I mean, we have a lot of dairies in Maricopa County, dairies in the southeast part of Mesa, uh, a few left in Chandler. I don't think there's any left in in Tempe or Phoenix. Um, Just different shifts. Let's talk more about that in the next segment. The song is called Cantaloupe Violet. Ah. Ah, It's pretty cool. Some good jazz sounds there. (laughs) If you're standing at our kitchen sink right now, on the sill, you would see cardboard egg cartons full of soil and all the little sprouts in our project this weekend is then to take that out to our uh, raised bed garden and put it in and uh, start. We've got cantaloupe watermelon and we've even got a few pumpkin it's a little early but thought what the heck get them started (laughs) get them started and that's how you start you know um over the years mark and i've talked a lot about our local markets and how important they are they are and the growth of the local movement in general well because of COVID 19 and what's been going on and some of the markets that have been shut down some of our farmers that 
exclusively maybe serve chefs or exclusively uh, serve a specific farmer's market, all of a sudden that revenue stream has dried up. So one of the things the governor's office early last week called Arizona Farm Bureau and asked, what do we need to do? And we huddled together and said, you know, there's a variety of things that can be done in agriculture. And I'm confident that the governor's office didn't just query us. But one of the things when it was my turn to speak, I said, we need to take care of our direct market retail farmers. And um, so there's a variety of things that we've been trying to really support them with. And one of the things they've done is for the food banks, and that's why I mentioned that website earlier, azfoodbanks.org, where farmers can go if a revenue stream is dried up for them, they can go to that website and contact their key people and try to move some of their product through the food banks. Because the other thing that's happening during this pandemic um, is that some of the food banks are having a struggle keeping their supplies in check. So we're hoping that with some of our retail direct market farmers, we can do that. And I know, Mark, in your role on the city council and vice mayor, uh, especially for your local food banks, you guys have talked over often and strategize on ways to make this work, not just during COVID-19, but there's always people in need regardless of the day or the situation. Well, thank you for bringing that up because our County Farm Bureau has been working closely with uh, Executive Director Dave Richens at the United Food Bank and how farmers can bring their produce that cannot be used otherwise because it's time sensitive and get it out to the market or to the consumer and those that need their food bank, in fact, in Mesa for the past two weeks, we have had, the United Food Bank has had a, a food program where people have showed up, and it is overwhelmed our United Food Bank in Mesa. The cars, I drove by there yesterday and the, and the week before, phenomenal. You wouldn't believe the amount of people wanting food. And so the producers that have food available, even the small producers like myself, I've delivered many times fresh vegetables to a food bank here in Mesa because they're close. And again, it was going to perish. So what we're saying is even our dairy farmers, the dairy farmers, uh, ironically, their price that they get for their milk production correlates with the stock market. So I was talking to one of our dairy farmers and I go, my gosh, that means you're hardly get, you're not even making ends meet on your on your milk. And he says, "Yeah, we're this is the flush time for dairies. In other words, this is when your alfalfa has the highest protein. It produces the cows eat it, it produces the most milk. And the United Dairymen of Arizona has so much milk pro, uh, products to uh, produce and get out that the dairymen are going to have a hard time not dumping milk." out or not bringing it to the plant. So this is just a real fragile time that we're trying to look at ways we can navigate and get fresh produce out to our respective uh, people in our community. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, and United Food Bank, just like so many of the other food banks here in the Valley, do such a tremendous job, and they so want to provide a good you know, cornucopia, literally, of healthy food. And when our direct market retail farmers can provide for them, too, that's a huge thing. And again, it's not just during this pandemic, but we've had families that have 
let's say you work in the restaurant business and you no longer can work the restaurant business. So there's some um, tough times going down, and we know that our farmers can supply. It, it also causes me to bring up the point that our food supply is healthy. There's been some logistics or distribution disruptions, but we actually are well supplied. So for Arizona families listening in today, if you see empty shelves and there's a little bit of panic that kind of goes through your mind, just know that the food is there. What is happening is we, Arizona families, we're buying in bulk and we're also shifting some of our typical buying patterns. So that's one of the things that's making it a little bit harder for the grocery stores to stay stocked. So one of my farmers, in fact, it was John Bolts from Yuma, he's, he has encouraged us ju- to just remember, if you're talking to Arizona families, Julie, remind them, start moving back into your normal buying patterns, um, even in our fresh produce, because uh, we've been stocking up on a lot of staples that can last a long time. That's one thing I've noticed in shopping is that mm-hmm. the produce section is full. It's the right. stuff that has to be processed and manufactured and shipped. Uh, that's that, been cleared out. That <laughs> that resupply, it takes time to right. manufacture that. Uh, and and uh, some of the unique things about that is it forces you to, if you're still looking for something, I'll use salsa, for example. Um, have you ever had Kalitos? And it, it's out of Texas. Mm. And it was one of those things, we shop online. We always have. Just It's so convenient from where we live to our closest supermarket is about a half hour. So you can order it online and then they tell you, okay, come pick it up at this time. So then you drive around to the side and you call the number and say, okay, this is the Romero's and we're in parking lot four. And they bring your order out of this refrigerated side of the supermarket, and they load it in your truck, and you go. So we don't have to waste any time. Well, sometimes when they're out of something, you say it can be substituted. And one time our regular salsa brand was done, and so we tried Calito. And so they put Calitos in there. We haven't had you anything haven't but Calitos <laughs> since then. And now Calitos is sold out, and so we tried another brand, and we've got this new favorite brand. So it's it's forced us to try new things we otherwise wouldn't have just because your habits are so used to right. buying what you like. You're not going to yeah. admit that you uh, bought all the Calitos in town. <laughs> <laughs> no, didn't have. I wish oh. I could say that. <laughs> Yeah, we. Uh, but we're trying to tell our Arizona families, now that you've stocked up on the toilet paper and <laughs> the staple go- goods like soup, go back to some of your regular buying power uh, patterns because we do want to make sure that our dairy products are moving. Um, you know, the fluid milk at the start of this pandemic and when people were realizing, hmm, this is pretty serious, uh, fluid milk, which is like your gallon of milk or your quart of milk, was just flying off the shelves. And I do think there's a fairly, you know, it's ebbs and flows, but a lot of the other dairy products weren't moving as quickly. So UDA, their warehouse is overloaded. So uh, that's what I'm meaning by let's go back to some of our normal buying patterns so we can help our farmers and ranchers move the variety, whether it's your eggs or your dairy, uh, our fresh produce. Uh, John Bolts grows fresh produce um, in Yuma. And he was one of the farmers that told me, you know, we need to get back to some of our normal buying patterns because the food is there. It's available. And um, we can can have access to it. But we've done – there's been some outlier 
buying patterns, you and I, because we felt like we needed to stock up. So, and that's, you know, in a crisis, there's all sorts of funny things we do, like buying, overbuying on toilet paper. <laughs> so, Mark, do you have any add to that? Well, I, I do. In talking to one of our dairy producers here in, in Southeast Mesa, he said one of our local cheesemakers is reducing uh, making cheese by 60% because uh, not a lot of people are buying cheese. And so consequently, they're, they're filling up their warehouse. With che- and cheese is time-sensitive as well. I mean, you just can't keep it on the shelf forever. So um, anyway, it's, it's, it has a ripple effect within the industry of our agriculture. That's why uh, part of this uh, uh, $2 trillion uh, program that the president signed there's some of it's going to be direct payments to our dairy farmers, to our livestock producers, to especially crop producers, and also cotton. Uh, this will compensate the farmer for a fair commodity price, but then allow these commodities fresh and, and to get right out to the consumer so that they can eat it or drink it. And, and that's very important for the health of America, the health of Arizona, and especially of those in our Phoenix metropolitan area. Another program, too, that a lot of organizations in ag have been working with Congress and uh, the administration is to try to move some of those to keep your uh, employees employed. There's a uh, paycheck protection plan through the SBA, and it's actually available to all small businesses but it, they are now including ag. Ag hasn't always been included. There's another loan program that they're trying to solicit the Small Business Administration to shift some of those dollars to ag because we need to keep growing. Um, and we've had this campaign, the social media campaign called Still Farming and also what it looks like to um, stay at home on the farm. And we're trying to really tell American consumers that we are farming um, the ranchers are still ranching, the farmers are still farming, but there's some pain in the market right now just because of some of the things that happened. And the biggest, one of the most important things for so, small business, because it employs so many people, is to try to set up situations within the SBA where the small business owner can still pay his employees. So it's actually a pretty good program. There's a little hiccups going on on it, but it, they're trying to get that pushed. Julie, could I add this, uh, please, just? Yes, absolutely. We in Arizona are fortunate to have a year-round growing season. I want people in Arizona to know, especially in the uh, Phoenix metropolitan area, wherever KTR is, that Arizona has the safest food supply in the world, and so does America. And as a producer and seeing uh, food come from other parts of the country, which is necessary to supplement our food at different times and seasons, but Arizonans have to realize that we take particular care of what we produce, how we get it to market, so it's safe and consumable, and if there's questions about cleaning it or washing it, there's guidelines for that. If someone feels like, hey, I just want to take that extra step for protection, hey, I understand that, but at the end of the day, the producers um, give a top-quality product that's nutritious and you know time and season we're just rolling out of our citrus season those have had citrus you've been harvesting it since late october november 
And if you have Valencias and grapefruits, you're, you're harvesting them still now until June. And we have abundance of fresh produce in Arizona, and we have a, a year-long growing season where if you live in Idaho, Utah, the East Coast, you have a single growing season. It'll last three and a half to four months, and you're done. Yeah. I even uh, like to highlight, tell often to our listeners that we grow the med de- Mediterranean diet in the desert, the med diet in the desert. And it's I, we even raise fish. So every one of the food categories we raise here in Arizona. Still Farming, was that the name of the campaign you yeah, said? Yes, Still Farming. Mark Rovey from the Rovey Dairy had posted a stream that said sneaking out of quarantine, and it was one of his dairy cattle that had gotten out of the feedlot and was like <laughs> extended her body out and was just free grazing on the hay that was outside the <laughs> I love the it. Pen. Still Farming. Still Farming. Um, another thing that we're doing, and Christy's actually launched this, Christy Davis, that's in charge of the Young Farmer and Rancher Program, where she's talking her... In her young farmers and ranchers into capturing little videos, and they're just going crazy. We keep posting them, and people keep sharing them. It's an awesome thing. So uh, another thing, uh, one of your callers, I think, called in and asked about food safety and how to prep your vegetables before cooking. We have several articles on Fill Your Plate. Just Google food safety, and you can find or search food safety on Fill Your Plate, and you can find out how to carefully prepare your food. And be safe in the kitchen. I was trying to search that before the end of the show. We FDA and CDC all have things to say. And yes. most of them just talk about make sure you wash your hands. They said before this epidemic, only 20% of people washed their hands before they ate. Whoa. So use clean hands. Rinse, 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 rinse those vegetables. Take off the outer layers. Use a little scrub brush. Um, no chemicals needed. Just wash, wash, wash. Yep. Just wash before you prepare. Very good. Yes, and we have, uh, I think Stephanie Smallhouse is on the line, and she's our president of Arizona Farm Bureau, and we always like to invite her to share a few words and what's on her heart and mind. Um, Steph? Good morning, everybody. Um, Yeah, we're out here at the ranch. We're pretty much always isolated. The problem we have now is trying to keep people from coming out here who are going berserk in their houses, so (laughs) we've had a lot of visitors the last few weeks, but... uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I think Julie and Mark have done a great job this morning of talking about all that we're doing with, uh, well, our local growers, but, uh, but just everything with this crisis that's happening right now. You know, I've heard a lot of uh, congressional folks talk about uh, food security as national security, and that's what Arizona Farm Bureau has been talking about all along. And, you know, I've, I, I like to tell people that Arizona's farmers and ranchers have really been preparing for situations like this for, you know, for a century, for 100 years. And that's uh, greatly the purpose of Arizona Farm Bureau in the first place. And that's why we advocate for everything we do. So while all this craziness is going on with uh, with the coronavirus, um, we're actually still working on all the issues that keep us sustainable and keep us prepared for a situation just like this. So, you know, we're, we're continuing to advocate for an immigrant worker program to make sure we have a consistent labor supply, which has been really important and prevalent during all of this. Um, whenever the farm bill comes up, this is exactly what the farm bill is about. It's about conservation, sustainability, and farming. It's about crop insurance programs that make sure that when we need our farmers in an emergency, they're still in business. Um, we've seen a plummet in uh, market prices during this uh, this crisis. Farmers are continuing to work. 
but they're getting less and less uh, for their products, so, which is weird considering the demand, but everything's a little bit out of whack. So we have crop insurance, crop protection. Trade is extremely important to our farmers. It's 20% of their income, and that has come um, really to a, to a halt in some areas. And we're always working on um, regulations that are overly burdensome that threaten our ability to keep farming efficiently. So, so this is what Farm Bureau does. Um, while we're in a crisis, we keep working on all these issues that make sure that we're ready for a crisis like this, that farmers and ranchers are good to go. And we're also trying to help them understand what's going on amidst the crisis and how they can um, try to stay positive and, uh, and keep farming. Yes. And you, you guys are ranchers, so you're even seeing some price issues within uh, the cattle market. We have. We've seen between cattle, beef, and dairy, there's been a 20 to 30% drop in the commodity prices, which were low in the first place. So that's been a struggle. But we also have an increase in direct beef box sales. And so we've had people coming to us, you know, wanting uh, grass-fed beef ready to go and ready to go to slaughter. And so the demand for that is, is up. So that's good. So that's what we focus on. We focus on, um, on the positive of what's happening so that we can keep getting out there. We've got to keep our workers healthy, though. And so um, farmers and farm workers have got to pay attention to the same rules that everybody else is following and stay healthy. Yeah, we just posted a report on our blog on azfb.org that highlights some of the things that our farmers are doing to keep their workers safe because it, it's a new and different day today in COVID-19. And that is really critical. And most of our farmers were previously practicing some worker safety just because it's the standard of operating, but they've had to kind of drill down a little bit more on that, haven't they, Stephanie? Well, absolutely. And, and the other thing that you've talked about today is the, um, you know, is, is kind of people going back to their normal eating habits. And that's a struggle right now because we're seeing just how much people eat out, right? So 50% of sales for beef come from people eating out. And so we're shifting that supply to, to groceries, but it still has an impact, like you said, direct, for, especially for direct sales, farm-to-plate um, growers. But like produce, if you think about the amount of uh, leafy greens that go through the restaurant system every single day. And so some things are getting backed up because of that. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, we, we need folks to put a lot more salad on their plate. Yeah. And we can't... We, I've always said that farmers and ranchers are good at pivoting to whatever they need to pivot to in the midst of whether it's a crisis or they see a market opportunity. But I'm telling you, these overnight pivots on some of these things, like the beef industry, where so much of that beef was going through the restaurants, and yet our restaurants, unless they're doing just delivery, aren't able to do it. Thank you, Stephanie, for joining us. And Steph, real quick. Thanks for having me. The name of your farm. Uh, Carling Ranch. And you guys are located northeast of Tucson? Northeast of Tucson along the San Pedro River. And do you guys have direct market beef as well? We do, but we're currently sold out. Uh, (laughs) I was trying to give you a little plug. Steph Smallhouse, President of Farm Bureau, Mark Freeman of the Corn Patch, Spokeswoman Julie Murphy. Thank you.